0: Thanks to our praise team, thanks to our choir, and thanks to all of you for taking part in worship this morning. And so I pray the Lord will be honored and was honored and glorified and believe that he was. And so thank you so much for taking part in worship. If you brought your Bibles, we're going to be looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 8 through 11. And then if you'll find Mark chapter 6, we'll look at verses 12 and following. This morning, I want to share with you a sermon that I've entitled, Sorry, But Not Sorry. Sorry, Not Sorry. And I borrowed that title from an article that I was reading, I guess, a couple of years ago. And it was from a lady that uh, she's a, uh, I believe she's listed as a freelance writer. And uh, that title just of her article just stuck out to me and, and, uh, and she dealt with Second Corinthians. and uh, she dealt with chapter seven. And in the essence of this, Paul is writing the church there at Second Corinthians. And he had written a pretty harsh letter before, and he was really addressing some sins in the church, and they got upset with him. And so there was kind of a strained relationship there between Paul and the church. And then after a while, the Holy Spirit convicted them of their sin and they repented of their sin. And Paul, in essence, was saying, I'm sorry that I made you upset, but I'm not sorry if it brought about your repentance. So kind of keep that in mind as we look at sorry, not sorry. And it's 2 Corinthians chapter 7, and then we'll turn to Mark chapter 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 8. God's word says, For though I made you sorry with a letter, I do not repent. He doesn't regret it. Though I did repent, for I perceive that the same epistle hath made you sorry, though it were for a season. Now I rejoice, not that you were made sorry, but that you sorrowed to repentance. For you were made sorry after a godly manner, that you might receive damage by us in nothing. From time to time we struggle with confronting people with sin. Perhaps you know of someone right now, brother or sister in Christ. You feel like you really need to talk to them about what's happening in their life, but you don't want to upset them. You're afraid you're going to make them mad. You're afraid you're going to lose a friend. And so you just kindly push that aside and don't think of it for a while or maybe just decide not to say anything at all. And Paul had the same problem in 2 Corinthians. Paul writes to this church. And he's condemning the sin of church member in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and chapter 2. And because of that letter, their relationship, Paul's relationship, the church's relationship uh, was very strained. And Paul is saying, first of all, we handle accountability in two ways. First of all, we perhaps avoid criticizing the person uh, at Uh, for anything he said you know we we don't even criticize or we uh, uh, we don't criticize with compassion we don't criticize or when we do criticize we don't criticize them with compassion but there's another way we're to be critical Uh, we're to we're to sternly confront sin but we're to do that with a loving attitude and with the goal of reconciliation with God and with the person that we're speaking to. So Paul said, I'm sorry that my confrontation of your sin caused you grief, but because of the grief, it led you to repentance of sin, then I'm not sorry for the confrontation. Now, with that in mind, the message this morning has to do with brotherhood and sisterhood. It has to do in some way, a lot of ways, in regards to accountability that we have to each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. The Bible says that we're members of one another. Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. We'll look at uh, verses 4 and 5. Listen to what it says. For as we have many members in one body, And all members have not the same office. So we being many are one body in Christ. And every one members one of another. So we're members one of another. I'm to be concerned about you and your spiritual walk with the Lord. You're to be concerned about me and my spiritual walk with the Lord. Now you may not be aware of this. But uh, when we made a commitment to the Lord Jesus, we also made a commitment to one another. And that commitment is to be accountable to each other and how we're growing in our sanctification. The Bible says that that others will know us because we belong to Jesus Christ. The Bible says that we belong to Christ. And people will know us, not just because we belong to Christ. They will know us, not because we carry a Bible, or, and they'll know that we belong to Christ, not because we carry a Bible, not because we attend church, not because we give, not because we serve, but they'll know that we belong to Christ because why? Because we love one another. We're members of one another. So in reality, the gospel goes forward when we love one another and we're members of one another, and the gospel moves backward, causes damage to some degree in so many lives when we're not faithful in loving one another and being members of one another. So listen up. This is is especially true when a brother and sister brother or sister gets on a bad path gets on the wrong path so the fact is many men many women make some bad choices i've made some bad choices and i remember Years ago, not that many years ago, I'd made a bad choice and I had a a sister in Christ that came to me and shared with me and said, you know, I don't know if you can see this or not, but this is what it appears like, and I appreciate that. And we need to do that more often. And so the question is, do you know a brother and sister in Christ who've made a bad choice, and right now they're on a bad path? So the question is, the big question is, what do we do when a brother and sister gets on a bad path? Um, Well, I'll tell you what we do most often. When we see a brother and sister on a bad path, the most often thing we do is we stay quiet about it. We don't say anything about it. We just don't want to mention it. We don't want to talk about it. And I like what James MacDonald said about this passage. He said this. He says, the recovery of a fallen brother or sister is a hard skill to develop in a disciple. And I agree with him. It's one of the hardest things you can do is go to a fellow brother or sister in Christ and talk with them that they're on the wrong path and they need to come back to where they once were in their walk with Christ. Now in Mark chapter 6, Mark chapter 6 is about a person who uh, is in kind of a self-destructive mode. And you've read about him, you've read this passage, and I've read it many times, but I really have never understood it like this, but the message is there. So if you would look at Mark chapter 6, and we're going to deal with the first 20 verses, just take them a verse at a time, and we'll finish up and we'll see how this person's in this destructive mode and where no one says anything to him about it. Look, if you will, at Mark chapter 6, and we'll begin uh, with with verse 12. Now remember, this person's in this self-destructive mode, and so the question is, how are we to react to someone like this when we're members of one another? You see someone in this self-destructive mode as a Christian, a brother, sister in Christ. How do we react to them in that mode? Look at verse 12, Mark chapter 6. And they went out, speaking of the disciples of Jesus and Jesus, and they preached that men should repent. This was the message. Verse 13, and they cast out many devils and anointed with oil, many that were sick, and healed them. Verse 14, all this was going on. And King Herod heard of him, heard of Jesus, for his name was spread abroad. So King Herod heard of all these miracles and these healings taking place. And he said that John the Baptist was risen from the dead, and therefore mighty works do show forth themselves in him. So you have King Herod. Now you have a lot of Herods in the Bible. Herod the Great had four sons. He divided his territories up uh, and gave each one of these sons part of his uh, part of uh, a part of a territory, his kingdom. And so this Herod of Galilee, his name was Herod Antipas. And so when he began to hear about these miracles, these mighty works being performed, he said, well, that's John the Baptist. John the Baptist is risen from the dead. You remember what happened to John the Baptist? You'll find out in just a moment. Look at verse 15. Others said, Herod said, this is John the Baptist. Others said, this is Elijah. And others says that it's a prophet or is one of the prophets. Verse 16. uh, Herod said it was John whom I beheaded. Look, when Herod heard thereof, he said, it's John whom I beheaded. And he's risen from the dead. And so... the story goes on and how that happened. Look at verse 17. For Herod himself had sent forth and laid hold upon John and had bound him in prison for Herodias' sake, his brother Philip's wife, for he had married her. Now, histor- there's a, historically stated that, that while Herod was traveling to Rome that he met this lady, this woman called Herodias. And she was the the wife of his half-brother, Philip. To make matters worse, she was a daughter of another brother, which was really Herod, she became Herod's niece. And they married she fell in love, they fell in love, they both divorced the persons they were with, and they married. So he married his brother's wife, who was the daughter of another brother who was. Figure it out. <laughs> Take a look at verse 18. John said unto Herod, it's not lawful for thee to have thy brother's wife. So leave it to John. You know, he's telling it like it is. Therefore, verse 19, Herodias had a quarrel against him. Not the king, but John. Now, she's out, he's out here telling, he's told the king, it's not right for you to have your, your brother's wife. And what do you think? How she... You know, we think she felt about that, or how she felt about that. She she was upset. Needless to say, she got upset, and she would have killed him, but she could not, because you see, Her- Herod liked him. He he kind of liked John. He liked his preaching. He liked his teaching. He's a good old guy. Verse nineteen. His wife reacted kind of in a negative way there, and she could have killed him, but look at verse 20. For Herod feared John, knowing that he was a just man and a holy, and observed him. He went to hear him preach. He, he watched him. He knew about John. And when he heard him, he did many things, and he heard him gladly. So he didn't have a problem with John. He didn't have a problem with John's preaching. He just kind of liked this guy. So the question is, how do we avoid getting in the wrong, on the wrong path? How do we avoid getting on the wrong path, or how do we help someone on the wrong path? First of all, jot this down. Do not avoid the things that are not okay. Do not, fall, don't, do not fail to deal with the issues in your life. Think all that Herod had going on in his life. Is it okay that Herod is with his brother's wife? Is that okay? No, that's not okay. Is it okay that Herod has taken his half-brother's wife? No, it's not okay. Is it okay that he divorced his first wife? No, that's not okay. Is it okay that, that she was also a close relative of his? No, that's not okay. So the point is, there are a lot of things going on in Herod's life that are not okay, and he wouldn't deal with those things. So the question is, how often do we see in the life of a brother and sister in Christ or in, our, in a personal friend's life a lot of things that are going down that's not okay? Okay. And how do they react? Well, they go on their way. That's what Herod did. How do we react? Most time, most of the time, we go on our own way. We won't say anything. And the things that have happened in that person's life have not been resolved. They just keep adding up and building up and building up. So the question is, what do you do when you see a brother or sister whose life is getting all messed up? What do you say? What do you do? Who's making all kinds of bad choices where where you would want to say to them, this is not going to work out in your life. I mean, this is not going to end well. You have any friends like that? Maybe you're like that. But the most common excuse that people that are making, that are dealing in that type of behavior, the most common excuse they'll give is, well, it's going to be fine. It'll work out. In the end, everything's going to be okay. There's no problem, really. Remember this. You cannot get away from unresolved issues in your life. You can't get away from them. If something is happening and it's never been worked on, it's never been resolved, and it's never been put in its proper place, there's going to be consequences sooner or later. Remember this. Galatians says it so clear. Galatians 6. Look at Galatians 6. Jot this scripture down, verse 7 and 8. Be not deceived. God's not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Everlasting. So here's the point. Whatever a man sows, he's going to reap. Whatever a man plants, he's going to harvest. That's known as the law of the harvest. So how many of us listening today, listening, will be listening by television, listening by radio. How many of us listening have planted things, have put in the ground things that have never been resolved? We just stuck them in the ground. And we refuse to deal with them. How many of us know of a brother or sister in Christ that that we have, you know, have noticed their life is in shambles, but yet they've never dealt with those things and we've never mentioned those things to them. We haven't spoken up. We don't say anything. We just go on like everything's fine and everything is okay. You see, we don't insist that we get things straightened out in our lives. We don't insist they get things straightened out in their lives. And so we just go on by. How in the world can we watch another brother or sister drive over a cliff and just sit passively by While they run their life. Have you ever wondered that? I'm going to tell you how we do it. Let me tell you how we do it. We don't love them like a brother and sister in Christ. That's how we do it. Hebrews 13 verse 1. Hebrews 13 1 says, Let brotherly love continue. Let brotherly love continue. That means you before me. That's what that means. When I see you struggling and when I see you hurting, I just risk myself so that I can get to you where you can get to a better place. Let brotherly love continue. The point is you're going to reap what you sow. And if you sow conflict in your marriage, you know what you're going to reap? You're going to reap a marriage breakdown. That's what you're going to reap. If you sow a substance abuse, you're going to reap what? you're going to reap substance addiction. That's what you're going to reap. If you sow gossip, if you sow slander, you're going to reap a loss of reputation, and you're going to reap a lonely life in the end because no one wants anything to do with you. That's what you reap. And so to avoid getting on the wrong path or to help someone on the wrong path, do not avoid the things that are not okay and do not avoid the issues Work on those, don't stick them in the ground, but work on those to get those in the right place in your life, out of your life. Now, there are consequences for unresolved issues. You reap what you sow. The B part of that I listed, you harvest in a different season that you plant. Notice that. We reap in a different season than we sow. I'm going to tell, tell you what's real deceptive. Delay is what brings deception. In other words, we think everything's okay. We think we've got away with it. We think no one knows. We think no one's going to find out about this. And it goes on and on and on. That's the deception. Delay is a deception. I got away with it. Everything's fine. The reality is it's not fine, and it's just growing inside of you unresolved and sooner or later it's going to come out if you're hiding a personal sin you need to deal with it because I've found in my own personal life that if you don't bring it out God is going to bring it out sometime some way it's going to come to the surface If if your son or daughter if they have the wrong friends, you need to stop thinking, well, that's going to work out as they get older and they get out of high school and that will all be cleared up. You need to deal with it. If you're hiding a problem at work and you're, you, you don't want any confrontation, you need to deal with it. So do not avoid the issues. There are consequences for unresolved issues, and your harvest is, is in a different season. Brothers help brothers, sisters help sisters, members of one another help one another if they're avoiding things that are not okay. They help one another. And so this morning, some of you need to deal perhaps with some unresolved issues in your life. You've kind of stuck them away and Everything seems to be good right now. You kind of tuck them away and everything's okay and everything you think is going to work out and it's going to be fine in the end. Knowing all alone that you're on the wrong path. It's not going to work out like you think it's going to. Remember, your harvest is coming and it's at a different season. Think of the law of the Harvest. And so, as our invitation, as we have our invitation this morning, as a believer, we need first of all, as a believer, listen up. We need to repent for not loving a brother and sister enough to confront them in love to return to where they once were with the Lord. That's what I need to do. Now, if I see, if I see you and you've dropped off in church attendance, and I come to you, and I say, don't get mad at me. I'm coming to you in love, and I'm going to approach you in love. And you know my, you know I'm coming because I love you. If I, if I didn't love you, I wouldn't come to you. Not only the preacher. Don't wait for the preacher to come to some, go to someone. You go to them and say, listen, brother or sister, in love, I'm coming to you. I've noticed things have changed in your life. i noticed you're not as committed as you used to be. You need to realize that you have to be careful. You'll lose your testimony. And if you lose your testimony, you know, you'll be blessed to live long enough to get that back. It's so serious. And I'm coming to you out of love. I love you and I hate to see you like this. Talk with them in love. You don't go brass and you don't go condemning. Jesus, you know what Jesus, you know, when he met the woman at the well, it was all about love. He loved her to a saving relationship with himself, he loved her. He didn't didn't browbeat her and fuss on her, but go in a loving spirit so we're members one of another, and we help one another. And so important to tie it all in in weeks past, your sanctification, your holiness, your set-apartness, your growth in Christ will be hindered if you don't get back on the right path. And I pray that if God's spoken to you this morning, that you will. Let's bow our heads for a prayer. Heavenly Father, I come to you and thank you, Lord, for speaking to our hearts today and this message. And Lord, I know how Paul felt when he went to the Corinthians and he was troubled, his heart was broken, and as he confronted them, they were all upset, they got mad, and he was sorry at first, but then at the same time, they turned, they repented, and, and, and he realized, Father, that he wasn't sorry because his confrontation with them brought about their repentance. And so this morning, I pray for each person here, and I pray we've all learned that we're brothers and sisters, one of another, and we're to look after, out after each other. And so, Father, I pray for each person here, and for those perhaps who have some things buried and everything they seem to think is okay, remember there's a harvest coming. I pray they'll remember that. And I pray today will be the day, Lord, that they would return to you and get back on that right path. And Father, we love each other here. And we're concerned about each other here. So help us, we pray, to, to, um, to confront each other in love out of concern. And Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit will speak to us when someone does that. Father, help us to realize that we're accountable to each other. We're accountable to you, but we're to look out for each other. And Lord, I know with a sister, I always try to take, I always try to take care of my sister and look out after her. That's what we're to do as a church family. So help us to be more aggressive in doing that. Instead of just passing by and being quiet, help us, Lord, out of love to reach out to those who we feel perhaps have uh, gone down the wrong path. Thank you for restoring relationships. Thank you, Lord, for forgiveness. Thank you for your mercy and your grace that you show to us. And, Father, everyone can experience that. And I pray today that people here who have never received you can experience your salvation grace today. And those who have gotten on the wrong path, perhaps, I pray that they can experience your forgiveness grace. Oh, Lord, thank you for loving me. Thank you for forgiving me. And help me, I pray, to be aware of others, Lord, who have just, uh, for whatever reason, walked away. We make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.